It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Today's episode is brought to you by Run Cody Wyoming Races. They have three awesome races coming up for the end of the year. The first one being the Mac Mountain Run, happening Saturday, August 26th. This is a 15K of epic proportions, the steepest of climbs and the gnarliest of descents. You may even see a bear or two. Bring your big girl panties for the 15K or come enjoy the 5K with the whole family. RunCodyWyoming.com for more information or search on Ultra Sign Up to register. The second race coming up is a gravel grinder. It's called Fistful of Dirt Bike Race. It is going to be held on Sunday, September 3rd. Come ride the good, the bad, or the ugly. 20 miles, 60 miles, or 100 miles. And brand new for this year is the Drifter. It's a 40-mile race. This is a Wild West shindig, a gravel bike race, and a dang good party. Beer, food trucks, and a free concert in the park afterwards. To find more, inf- more info on this race, go to fistfulofdirt.com. And the last race for the season in Wyoming? The Buffalo Bill Cody Half Marathon, 10K and 5K, happening Saturday, September 16th. This is your classic road run, a beautiful race, and a wild place. This year, we're excited to announce the first ever 5K distance for the whole event. It'd be great for the whole family. You can find all of these races on Run Cody Wyoming, and we also have hosted the race director, Janie Curtis. Go back in our early episodes and hear all about them. Welcome to the Golden Hour Adventures. Today, we have a ex-pro cyclist who now is a race photographer for cycle races, running races, motorcycle races, sports car races, you name it, he's done it. Uh, the legendary Randy Erickson. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you. Glad to be here. Looking forward to uh, being on this side of the mic, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, first and foremost, I got to know, where did the name the legendary Randy Erickson come from? So in uh, 2009-ish, 10-ish, I was, we had the first adventure race here called Primal Quest. It was a really big deal. Um, so I was making these little crappy videos. And as a joke, I would do like, you know how like Hollywood movies have like 10 different production companies, you know, producing these movies. Yeah. So I had all these, making up all these production companies, you know, the introductions would be longer than the videos. <laughs> and the, the the one that kind of stuck with as a joke was legendary Randy Erickson films, and because they weren't simple fact there. So about a about a year later, I was shooting a race in uh, called Untamed New England, and Grant Killian, who was the race director, just started, you know, in the middle of the woods, like legendary, where are you at? Legendary, where are you at? I'm like, here I am, and from there. You couldn't brand it better if you tried, because all you have to all I have to tell people is just Google legendary Randy, and it shows up. I mean, I beat Randy Moss, the football player. I beat Randy Couture, the wrestler. Um, you, you couldn't have done it on purpose. So thank you, Grant <laughs> Killian. <laughs> That's awesome. So how did you get into um, how did you get into to filmmaking and photography? Um, so Primal Quest, which was the race here in 09, I was doing these videos for my wife's team, local team. And, um, about two or three weeks before the race, the race director, Don Mann called me and said, Hey, the BBC was coming. They're not coming. Do you want to produce a video? It's like, sure. Why not? So it, uh, this tells you how long ago I shot the whole race. Uh, we did a little bit of update uploading for stuff, but not very much. Um, you know, it was a 10 day race, shot all that, got it all done, came home, literally learned to edit and edited the movie over six months and produced a two hour, you know, DVD of it. And, uh, that was the start of it. And then, um, I think untamed new England was the next one. I don't remember how it happened, but then Grant got me into going to Switzerland to do a race. 
And then the big, my big break, my big Hollywood break was uh, Cowboy Tough. They were at uh, five years of adventure racing in Wyoming. And I, uh, I sent my usual email, which always started out, you had to start out by describing, telling who you are. You know, this is who I am. And uh, so through those five years of doing Cowboy Tough, really got me known around the world. And, you know, as of now, I've done somewhere over 30 expedition adventure races um, all around the world. So wow, that's humble beginnings. so then from from there you you went on to i mean i've i've been following you for a while and it seems like you've you shoot all kinds of events so i do so you know obviously a lot of adventure races i think i'm doing eight expeditions this year um i got a chance to go to iceland twice to shoot a six-day run um you know self you know self-supported type run um and then i get i think the well, I started doing local stuff like um, like motorcycle enduros indoors. I like to go see that. That'd be fun, but I don't want to just go watch it. So you send them an email and say, hey, can I come shoot your event? Yeah, sure. And then um, that moved on. I did the exact same thing for Motocross the Nation, which is the world championships for motocross when they were in Denver with Team Canada. And then, um, you know, anything local like that, you know, that comes in, you'd shoot. Um, and then I had a chance to met up with a team. So I've been to Baja to shoot the, the Baja 1000 three times, four times. Um, you know, and once you get into these different groups, you know, it just kind of keeps growing. Um, two years ago, it was, it was literally a Facebook post for a, a sports car team that rented seats. So I sent them a message that, hey, you probably need a media guy. So that's led to my career now in shooting sports car races, so which has always been kind of a, a you know I've always been interested in it, but you know it just it always just takes that one that one yes to get to get <laughs> you going into into different things. So. For sure, what what is your favorite style of event to shoot? <laughs> what's your favorite? That, the, the, that a multifaceted favorite, question there. <laughs> well, it's the what? What? What's your favorite kid, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, although my friend Jasper, who I've, I'm just finishing up a film with him, he he has the best answer. It's the next race. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so adventure racing, really fun for me because I know all the people. It's a real small sport. Um. So a lot of times if I go to a big race, I, I know at least half the people, um, which gives me a pretty good um, access to them because they'll, they don't look at me as a media person. They look at me as their friend that happens to be filming them. Um, so that's, that's really cool. I think cars going 180 miles an hour is kind of cool too. <laughs> so um I'm, I'm i'm gonna stick with the next one okay but and it turns out this year it's going to be a lot more of uh human powered sports than than uh than than motors so i guess this year we'll say adventure racing and running and gravel bikes and swim runs and swimming open water swimming so now break down an adventure race what what all takes place so adventure races can be anywhere from three hours to 10 days, literally. Um, and generally we'll say an expedition like this, a 24 hour race is kind of on the low end, but two to three to four days up. So it's nonstop, no, you know, clock never stops, mountain biking, uh, you know, running, uh, usually paddling of some sort, uh, maybe some climbing, uh, race I'm doing in two weeks, there's caving and it's all map and compass navigation. There's no, there's no course. You, they say, go, you go to the end and you got to <laughs> navigate your way all the way there. So, um, it's a, it's a, um, it's not an easy sport, but it kind of is the physical side can be not as, not as intense as some races. 
Um, but the mental side is really, really hard. You know, trying to figure out where you are when you've been up for 40 hours, it can be real, a real interesting uh, dynamic. So, yeah, you see some of these like foot races or, you know, bike races that are super long, like you're on a road, you're on a trail, like you, you mm -hmm. can somewhat figure where out where you are, but those adventure races, they just, they might be in the middle of the woods, you know? And so like, if you don't have your bearing yeah. and you've been up for 40 hours. <laughs> yeah. So this might be a little foreshadowing, but so my wife was an adventure racer and she went and did the Tahoe 200 the first year and her, her thought process was courses marked. You don't have to carry everything you, you need. And, you know, it's only 200 miles. Sign me up. <laughs> you know. That's, so uh, where, do they, where do they keep, like when you get to the mountain bike, where is it, do you just go to a, like an aid station? So, yeah, so they're called TAs. Um, like the first one is TA1, which happens to be the name of my podcast. Uh, See how I snuck that in there? Um, <laughs> so let's say you start out with a paddle. Um, you paddle down a river or across a lake or whatever. You get there, you have gear bins. So it'll have all your stuff for the next one. It'll have your mountain bike or, you know, if you're running, it'll have your running stuff. Um, you switch sports. You go do that one for 24 hours. You get to another TA and it's like, hey, here's all your running stuff. You know, switch over and put your running running hat on so to speak so um, you don't have to carry your gear for the whole race um, but you have to carry what you need um, you know for that for that leg of the race huh. yeah that would be um, that'd be interesting if you had, <laughs> you had to carry all your yeah. stuff that would make it imagine having to like have a pack raft and have to carry that on your bike mm -hmm. and <laughs> that would nope. make it very interesting <laughs> yeah so like the the race i've shot in iceland fire and ice is six days those competitors have to carry everything they need except water and a tent the the race the race furnishes them with you know all the drinking water they need and they set up tents at night they gotta carry all their clothes they gotta carry their sleeping gear all their food um Wow. It's a inter interesting style of race also. <laughs> yeah, I would think that adventure racing would be more popular than what it is cuz you just I mean you hear about them but you always hear about them after they're over with and you never hear like I never see a registration for them or never really hear about them but you know all the sports that we're into biking and paddling and yeah. running it's like we could all, you know, cross over and do all of those things, you know, maybe not well but somewhat okay well yeah i mean that's the beauty of adventure racing is yes you just have to be able to do all of them um yeah whether it's well or not um, <laughs> or or just be an outside person a lot of adventure racers have just been you know they were camping with their their parents when they were five years old so they've been outside all their life and, and they had a sport they were soccer players or something but you know and they might have been pretty good at that and then all of a sudden, all this stuff comes together. Um, the, the downside to adventure racing is it's not cheap because there's a lot of gear. Um, you know, mountain bikes, pack rafts, you know, the things you need. You know, it, so it tends to be an older demographic because you also need a lot of time. You know, if you're doing a five-day race or a four-day race, you know, you're looking at 10 days of being gone. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people get it, you know, their two-week vacation. So, um but, you know, you can also do a 12-hour race, so we shouldn't forget those. But, but yeah, it's a it's a sport. It's a really good sport for an outdoor person that's mediocre at everything. <laughs> so how, when you're shooting at an event like that, how do you get around to the different spots if there's not necessarily a, a trail that someone is following and they can take any kind of route that they would like? So the good thing now is all the teams carry trackers. Oh. So... Um, when I started, here's the old man ranting. When I started, there wasn't, you literally, which was my, to my advantage, the first race I shot, cause it was in the black Hills, right? Um, there was a, there was literally a checkpoint that they had to go to 400 yards from our house. So I knew where they were and how they're going. Now you, you, so you follow the trackers, um, you know, 
you got it, you know, the app on your phone or, you, you know, you sit somewhere on the computer and say, okay, they're, they're going here, um, which is really, really great, except inevitably you lose tracking, like when they get within a kilometer of you. I don't know why. It just always happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what you really just have to do is be patient. Um, you know, sitting in the middle of the woods doing nothing. It's not a bad thing. Um, but then sometimes you wonder, did I miss them? You know, it, it, there's a lot of unknowns in it. Um, so that's, it, it has a more technical way. I usually get the courses like a month or two in advance, all the checkpoints, you know, in, in a file. So I know where they're going. Um, I'll find, I know where the really cool spots are. And then I'll go in, if it's like a 24-hour race, I'll go in a day or two at least early and go to all of them and then drop pins in Google Maps. So then when the race starts, I just like hit go, drive to that spot or close to that spot. And uh, it's working out pretty good. The tracking has been a huge, huge boon. There's actually a whole whole uh, side of the sport called dot watching. People watch the whole race. They watch the dots on their computer screen and comment. And we're all too um, familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's not as bad as it was, except tracking never quite works when you really, really, really need it. Yeah. Well, if you've run the Black Hills 100, you've probably seen some some odd things out in the woods that probably are not used to being out there, and. Um, I think Randy has uh, is to blame for a lot of those things. So if maybe at mile, I don't know, 60, there's a table with whiskey and shot glasses sitting on it or a disco ball lighting up the, the night sky, you know, uh, what do you think of these things to, to put out there? Um, well, the good and the bad for me is I work by myself. My, my real job is like remodeling. So I have a lot of time where I'm just like, my mind is just going like, Oh, you know, it'd be fun. But the, 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 so the, so the whiskey last year came from adventure racing. So the, the cowboy tough race for a couple of years had a, a, a whiskey stop where you, you'd have to stop, take a shot of whiskey or iced tea for people. But, um, you know, there'd be races that'd be like taking three or four shots of whiskey. Um, <laughs> but but I discovered it didn't really turn, didn't really um, relate to, to trail running. Um, I guess probably running and drinking whiskey isn't bad. Hiking or is a little bit better. Well, you had so, the wrong kind when I ran through. You need fireball. <laughs> <laughs> fireball is so cliche. Yeah. <laughs> It's cliche for so, uh, trail runners, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. I suppose they should have. But um, <laughs> so the disco ball in the in the rope lights started from from the Black Hills Hunter. Know where you turn on Trail Forty, right? Theoretically, they know where they go. Yeah. Every year, people just blast past that turn, and I would. Uh, so eventually, I would start putting up tape, more tape. You know. Ryan and the guys would come, you know, and mark the course and flag and stuff. And then we'd go out like, you know, hours before the race or, you know, on, on Friday and, and put tape across the trail. And I'd still go through it. <laughs> so, so I thought, well, what can we do? And the Amazon got solar powered rope lights and we, we strung them out and around the corner. And that was a big hit two years ago, three years ago. And then last year we were like, well, we need to do something different. So we got the disco ball. It's trying to do something with photos there, which didn't quite work. So hopefully this year it will. Um, yeah, I think the rope light and the disco ball are hits. Yeah, the the year I ran it in twenty one, um, it was kind of odd because it was, you know, of course it was at nighttime, and yeah. I came through there and. All of a sudden, I just see this little bright light. This I'm like, what is that? And I had no idea it was going to be out there. And so, I, you know, I'd run the course a hundred times, so I knew that, you know, I knew the turn was coming. But yeah, that rope light made it even that much better. And so, I I do appreciate yeah. it. But I just thought it was kind of cool that all the little things that were out there. And I, and in the past, you've done other stuff as well, right? 
Um, the, the the different photos that I've done, the uh, the portraits of the hundred milers. Um, you know, that's been um, so. I've done that three different ones. One year, people remember I did the big picture frame, and then one year I did uh, full length mirror in the woods, and then one year I just did kind of dramatic portraits. So, Can you imagine running in that mirror in the middle of the night? <laughs> like, what is that? Well, it was it, it was still daylight. <laughs> okay, still, I can imagine like seeing the mirror at night. I already so, hallucinate. So, can you imagine like just seeing yourself? Like, <laughs> what's that? And I'm I'm kind of thinking that I like the mirror the best. But so this year we're gonna I'm gonna let the uh, let the uh, the hundred milers vote on what they do, which one they get this year. So that's cool. And then the stream crossing is always. I mean, that's when Elk Creek is running fast. Yeah. That's always a really that's a fun um, one. dramatic spot. People, you know, it's really fun after the race. All of a sudden you start getting, you know, like 15, 20 people are using your photo as their, you know, as their cover photo. So it's like, well, that's <laughs> why we're here. Yeah, that's always fun. Do you do this at, uh, do you do fun stuff like that at all your races that you shoot? <clears throat> So I've done, I did the uh, picture frame a couple of, at a couple of gravel races, gravel bike races. Um, you know what I found in the last year or so with gravel bike racing is they got more serious. So they don't want to stop, you know, for 15 seconds to take a picture. So, um, and figure out something different for the gravel bike stuff. But uh, yeah, it just, um, you just got to get pictures of everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be difficult. I would imagine it's it's really hard, to, you know, because if you don't get every single person that, you know. you A week later, you get an email. Did you get a picture of, you know, Bib 23? And I, and I kind of look and it's like, um, no, because <laughs> everything's posted. So I, I have a. So it's like, well, how long do you wait, right? Because mm -hmm. you can't keep track because you can't say that, well, 100 people started, so I got to be here for 100 people because, you know, <laughs> in 40 miles, who knows how many dropped out, right? right? So my formula is, like, if I'm at Elk Creek, outward bound, I have to do the math. If it takes you longer than the cutoff, be there. So, you know, if you got to run, you know, a 20 minute mile to get there and you running 21 minute miles, I won't be there. Does, does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, it totally so, does. So, yeah. so I just have this formula and that's what I follow. Then I don't have to feel guilty or should I wait another half hour or, you know, so, so. Yeah, no, that. So that if you makes... want your picture taken, just pick up the pace just a little bit. <laughs> Have you had ever had someone get mad at you for taking pictures of them? No, I've I've uh, scared people. I was just <laughs> about be... to ask that if you scared anyone because I know that like I've been scared by the photographer like... before. Because <laughs> you're just sitting there quietly. Uh, um, but the funny part is, you guys probably know who Chili is. So Chili is Chili is probably shot somewhere around races with me, and. I've literally, you know, sometimes people stop and talk to you for a few minutes because that's what they do. And they'll, and then all of a sudden they'll look down and like, oh, there's a dog here. Cause she is so, you know, we get to a spot, she just curls up, goes to sleep and doesn't bother anybody. So the dog, Chili has probably scared more people than I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. What is, uh, what's, what's some, some crazy things that you've seen? you know, through all your, your shooting, whether, you know, whether it be adventure racing or foot powered. So we had a racer named Kyle Peter, who it started out, it started out that every time I'd be shooting in a transition area, he'd be, he'd be mooning me, <laughs> you know, just because <laughs> adventure race, not, not on purpose because adventure racers are just like, you know, whatever, just drop their stuff and change. So then for a couple of years, especially on the bike, he'd be, he'd be mooning me every time. Um, <laughs> so, 
so that's one thing. What? Let's see. What is? It's it's interesting because it's not something I've really thought about. What are the crazy weird things? I'm uh, sure you've seen it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, People don't know you're there. They're taking a side trail to relieve themselves, or yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've looked away a lot of times. You know, that's that's yeah. Not that anybody really cares. Um, <laughs> I mean, they don't really. No. Right? no. Um, <laughs> let's see. Something will come to me. I know it will because it always does. But uh, yeah. Well, this will lead. I, mean, in I guess. You go yeah. ahead and think about it, and this will lead me into yeah. my next question. What's something uh, through all your, you know, your experience of in shooting? What's something that's embarrassing that's happened to you? So, I'm shooting a race in Portugal. See, it's one thing that all this is is I've, I've been able to say a lot of sentences I never thought I could say. Like I was shooting a race <laughs> in Portugal, <laughs> and we were in a. It was kind of a staff house that they'd rented, you know, it, like like this 500-year-old stone house had been updated all modern. And uh, so there are two openings to go to the kitchen from the room I was in. But the opening I went through was glass. And I hit that, and my friend Anne-Marie said she's never heard a sound like that like this three foot by seven foot piece of glass vibrating and just, <laughs> you know, instantly my face was covered with blood. Oh no. Um, so, I mean, it was a tiny little cut, right. You know, but it was a head wound. So um, I think people thought I was dead. It's the way it sounded. So <laughs> I'm going to say that's, that's as embarrassing as, as it's, uh, as it's been. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you've been to Portugal. Where all have you uh, shot races at? Okay, most a lot of states, probably half the states. Um, all right, let's go. Belize, Panama, Ecuador, uh, New Zealand, Australia, Iceland, Switzerland, Portugal, Canada. I think that's all of them. And are most of these adventure races or those are all adventure races. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And those are anything from 24 hour to six day events or. Yeah. Most of those were longer. I think. Uh, four of them were world championships. They tend to be. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, 10 day, eight, nine, 10 day races. So, yeah. You, know, you kind of don't want to travel to to New Zealand for a 24 hour race. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, that would be, it's, it's, yeah. You know, Paul had my rule when I was, when I was racing, our rule was the race had to be longer than the travel time. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I'd be what screwed. Are th- <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the difference you notice when you go to the other countries with, uh, the way these athletes conduct themselves and, other things that you might notice that are different than uh, U.S. New, races? Um, so New, New Zealand and Australia, I don't want to say they're more professional, but they're kind of more professional. The, the Those teams are like the top teams in the world, and, and nobody is making a living adventure racer. No, you know, in the 90s, a few people were, um, but they take it, uh, and I won't say they won't take it more seriously, but there's a lot more top teams, like in New Zealand. You know, like, like probably the top 20 teams in New Zealand could come to the United States and, and be in the top three. Um, but but they do it, they, they start them in school. So the schools in New Zealand have adventure race competitions. So, you know, it's hard to beat that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, here's a shocker like South America and Central America racers are um, pretty passionate <laughs> like, <laughs> like they are about everything yeah. um, and down there love their pomp and circumstance so with world championships in Ecuador I think the opening 
the opening ceremonies were like four hours of speechifying. Wow. And, uh, and then they had a fireworks display that I, I, without much exaggeration, was an hour long. Wow. So, um, so yeah, but you know, they're all, in, in some ways, they're, they're all alike. You know, they're, they're just happy to be there. It's a very friendly atmosphere. Um, everybody will help out everybody. Um, I had some friends that just got done with a race in Croatia and one of the teammates, uh, luggage didn't, you know, gear didn't get there. You know, by, by race time, they had borrowed enough gear from all the other teams that they were able to race. So he was able to race. So, um, it, it, it's very nice family, uh, atmosphere that way. Kind of to follow up with that same question, you know, when you do the motorsports, uh, photography, What's the difference you notice with that group of folks compared to human powered stuff? Uh, other than the money, <laughs> <laughs> lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the shooting that I've been doing is, an, is a, it's called champ car. And, and, and the way I uh, have figured out how to describe it is, you know, if NASCAR and IndyCar are major league baseball champ cars, like uh, high a ball or low double a ball, so it's it's very um, very friendly. In a lot of ways, it's like adventure racing. Like, oh, we blew up a transmission. Anybody got a transmission in the garage? Yeah, here, use ours. So, um, so so in some ways they're a lot alike. But then there's other ways that we were uh, in Florida at Sebring last year in July. And there were some problems with the car. So the, the people that were renting the seats were like, yeah, we, we had a good day. Um, we're just going to jump on the jet and go home. So you don't, you don't get much of that in, uh, in adventure <laughs> racing. No, you definitely don't. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's really it's, in car racing, it's just the money. It's, it's um, like through, through my uh, – the champ car racing and the team I worked with, I've actually been working with Michelin tires at a couple of big races, um, the 24 hours of Daytona. And it's actually working with tires of all things. Not taking photos, you know, I get to, but but working with tires. They bring in 28 semis, 8,000 tires at $600 a tire. That's 24 so, hours of Daytona? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. So, so, yeah, it's just the money. People are still nice, um, at least – that I'm uh, fortunate enough to be, be able to uh, to deal with. So, you were talking about uh, at the motocross nations when I lived in Denver. I was I was hoping to get to it, but I never got a chance to go. What was that like um, with all the you know the the world of motocross being there in Lakewood? It was um, really cool, but I wish I could do it again because it was. I was pretty new to, uh, to shooting and, uh, yeah, it, I would, I don't know if I'd do anything different, but I think I would, could, uh, maybe enjoy it a little bit more, but I mean, it was just, uh, it, it's a little more insulated, you know, the teams are, are separated cause it's, you know, really big bucks, but I mean, I'm, I'm with a team Canada and they couldn't have been nicer people in the world, just willing to, you know, strap on cameras, take the time to do interviews. So, um, but it, it, you, until you've been to an event like that, you just, you kind of don't realize. I mean, it's like, like the Super Bowl, sort of, you know, for the amount of people that are there and watching. And, and then you realize that in the United States, it's still a small sport. It's huge, but it's a small sport compared to the rest of the world, the way they look at it. So. Yeah, the you know the European motocross is, yeah. I wouldn't say totally different, but it is different from motocross here in the United States. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, you know, they get hundreds of thousands of people at some of those races where, you know, U.S. gets tens of thousands. Let's put it that way. But they're really passionate, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Especially at that track there in Lakewood, that's a, it's a nice yeah. track. I've been trying to get back there to shoot something, and it's just like. You know, the, the nationals are there like in two weeks and it's just like, I don't, I don't have time to, 
I, I don't have time to, to try and figure out how to get there and, and shoot it and stuff. So, um, but one of these days I'll get back down there for it. That'd be cool. Yeah. We mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you were a pro cyclist. Yeah. That's, I'm going to use the term, I had a pro license and I got to race a couple of times a year. Okay. But this was, this was also in the 80s. So, um, well, and I didn't stand a chance because I was racing in the Lance era. So, who's going to get? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I was. I started out doing endurance cycling. Like uh, my goal was to race across America, um, and then I did a couple of like 600, 700 mile races, and realized that I was really good for twenty four hours, maybe thirty hours. But I wasn't. I wasn't going to be a race across America guy. Um, you know, my first in, first endurance cycling was four hundred seventy miles down in Arizona. Wow. And and the, I finished six, and the five guys that finished in front of me at all won the race across America. So I'm like, hmm, I'm probably pretty good. So uh, the national, the pro national championships were in Philadelphia at that time. I'm like, well, I should get a license and go. So I did that for four or five years, and then I did a couple other things, and I raced a little bit on the track, and um, so the. I had a pro license and I went to pro races. I didn't get paid. That's one of those things you put on your CV that's like, it's true, but (laughs) you know, you made yourself look a little better than it is. Hey, (laughs) take it where you can, man. You were definitely a a pro racer. You raced in the races. But then when I went to mountain biking, I did win a, a a master's world championship, 24 hour mountain biking. So that's legit. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that the mountain biking races were, they went that long. Yeah. That, <clears throat> they're still doing there. The, uh, you know, the enduro ones or the, the marathon ones now are like to at a hundred miles, but, but they're still 24 hour mountain bike races, you know, it's on a, on a loop, closed loop, you know, or course in a, usually a ski area or something. So it's just like you get on your bike and ride for 24 hours. Cool. That sounds terrible. Yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds hard. <laughs> yeah. But but I also like to say so I won my Masters World Championship one year. I went back the next year, crashed on the first lap, and was like done. I just my mind was gone. I, so you know, so you sit there for twenty hours, and then you then you do the last lap, so you're a finisher. You know, you you've done twenty miles in twenty four hours, but you're still a finisher. So <laughs> so let's see, get in the yang of it. Yeah. How is uh how do you think cycling has changed with you riding it on you know in the professional circuit with road ri- road racing and mountain bike racing mm-hmm. and then you know now being able to to shoot the different styles of races and then with the addition of you know gravel racing starting to grow more and more popular how do you think the, uh, yeah. the industry has changed So I mean the bike industry is always you know they always have to rely on something new to survive but what I what I have found is how fast, how racy things have gotten. Um, like I did Leadville the first year, hundred. Um, it was it, there were sixty seven people, and it was just like, can you ride a hundred miles in the mountains? It, you know, it at fourteen thousand feet, and now thirty ish years later, there's fifteen hundred riders, and they're doing it in you know under under seven hours close to six hours yeah so it's it's in all these sports like endurance sports like like 200 mile runs maybe even 100 mile runs have gone from this endurance event to races um i mean that's i mean i i started racing bike racing in 80 81 um so i've been around a long time I've been around so long that my first pair of cycling shoes, you had to nail the cleats on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the biggest thing for me is how fast it is. Um, like when I was professional, I see my air quotes. The air quotes. The, the, the reason I thought I could do okay was the stereotypical professional road race was roll around at 20 miles an hour for 
for a hundred miles. And then, and then boom, the Andy just went crazy. And I'm like, well, I can roll around for a hundred miles easily. But even when I started, it was like, no, it was like full gas from the start. And, and I think that's, that's how every race is. I don't care how long it is. Adventure races, 10 day adventure races. If they start with a run, You'd think it was a local 5K the way people take off. Um, <laughs> they just and they just can't help themselves because we talk about it all the time and it's just like you just got to do it. So yep. I think that's the biggest difference is how fast and how racy everything's gotten. When did gravel racing start really becoming popular? <sighs> uh, too late, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I was just talking with this with a friend a week or two ago. If gravel racing was around when I was good, then in the top, because that's the kind of racer I was. It, that race, gravel racing was made for me. Um, so it's probably been like the last six, seven years that it's really, 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 really grown. Yeah. Um, to all the big events, you know, it's like everything else. Now you can't get into a big event. You know, they're sold out in seconds almost. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... It, it, it's the same way with, with trail running, right? You yep. You got lotteries and if you're not pushing the button at zero six hundred in the morning, you're you know, yep. you're not you're not getting in. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Which is kind of sucks, you know, really. Like you just want to do it. But uh you know, and we always yeah. talk about going out and doing these big events that, you know, everyone talks about, but like how many are little events out there that are just as good to go do that, you know, don't maybe don't get the, the limelight, you know, like, yeah. like the Black Hills 100 that never, mm -hmm. that never sells out, but it's a great race. And it's like, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's yeah. not a Western States qualifier. It's not this, it's not that, but it's like, it's still a really good race and it's beautiful views and, you know, and it's like. I don't know how many yeah. of those and are out many, there that, you know, that. Yeah. And how many people like with the Black Hills 100 say like, oh, that was way harder than I thought it was going to be. So, yeah. Yeah. They they're see, out they there. They see I South mean, Dakota. <laughs> oh, the, the hills, they're no problem. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. Well, like, let's, uh, let's uh, take trail 40 from Silver City back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You ever shoot uh, the triathlons? I did the um, life loop triathlon here in the hills a couple years ago. Okay, um, so it was pretty. It was it was fun. Um, it hasn't worked into my schedule since since then. It was really nice. I actually borrowed a motorcycle from a friend of mine so I could be moving around down in the park. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that's a and that race coming up this year got twenty thousand dollar prize list. Wow. For a, for a half Ironman. So distance race in a really beautiful spot. So I don't think I'm here, unfortunately, but um, yeah. So that's the only triathlon I've shot. Um, you know, we have the open water swim here in the hills of Pactola and I've, sh I've done that like for the last four years. So that's, that's kind of fun. Get out, cause I'll get out in the middle of the lake with them and shoot. <laughs> What's the distance on that on that uh, swim? So they you know, pick your distance. So they have a two point four, you know, an Ironman distance, and then I think they have a one mile and a half mile. So okay, it's a it's a it's a really well well run event. It's it's kind of cool, you know. Swim, you know, swimming is uh, you got to get there early because the lakes fill up. So you can go do a swim race and you'd be done by ten o'clock in the in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, I was just I was just gonna ask that because uh like you said, that lake fills up really quick in the morning. Yep. Yep. I, in uh in in July, yeah. So but yeah, so that's a pretty cool one to do, a little different. I wanted to go uh back to the race across America. Yeah. Um I know about the race. Um I've heard crazy stories about it. I yeah. just haven't seen it any like following. Is there like camera people out there or is it i know it's such a huge distance so it's probably really hard to cover but you know you hear the stories of the guys not sleeping at all the whole yeah. time and yeah. i think catching that on film would be amazing yeah it's it's still out there um you know it's it's 
else, you know, in the 80s, late 80s, it was on ABC TV, um, you know, and now it's streamed, which nothing wrong with streaming. That's where all my stuff is, but it's still out there and it's it's like everything else. It's just gotten faster. Um, you know, most people, I think most racers now do a couple, they're so much faster that they get, you know, like still they're sleeping, but their speeds are so much faster than it was, you know, and there's, uh, you know, relay teams and, you know, it, in its world, it's still a big deal, but, you know, I still follow cycling pretty close and it's like, I couldn't tell you when it was or who's done it or, you know, anything like that, but it's still out there. Is that a sanctioned event or is it where someone, I mean, they, no, it's a, it's a real, it's a race. I mean, they have an organizing body and, and they have qualifiers still. Um, it's kind of become a big year, big deal with Europeans, you know, for my limited knowledge, I think usually it's a German that wins. <laughs> it's kind of like triathlon, right? <laughs> all the Europeans come over and you just, yep. I don't know, they're tougher or something, but. Um, <laughs> well, what, what kind of. The, uh, sorry, I got one more. No, <laughs> the, um, the ultra, I can't remember the, what they call it. I know that I think they do it in Florida where they stack the Ironmans. Oh, Ultraman. Ultraman. Is yeah. there any coverage on that? Um, no. This is a simple answer. And, <laughs> and, I, only, and I only know that because I have a good friend that's Dan Jensen, who's uh, below the knee amputee, done it a bunch of times, and, and my wife's gone down and crewed for him. Um, so, I mean, they have their little their little niche of, of coverage, but um, it, you know, that stuff is just, be, it's, it's hard, right? It's open water swimming. It's a hundred, you know, it's three days of, so it's not three, uh, it's three days, but it's kind of, it's not three Ironman. Cause you know, you, I think it's like two total. So you, okay. I don't remember how it all works, but it's not like three days of Ironman. It's like, you, you I don't remember. <laughs> It's really, really, it's really, really hard. And it's a really, you know, they're a bunch of passionate people too. So, um, but, the, but it's the same thing, you know, a lot of gear, you got to have your own support teams for it. So it's, it's hard to do too. Not to look into that. I'd like to follow that because that's a uh, quite the crazy uh, event. Yeah. What do you think about a lot of the, um, the media companies, um, streaming races now do you think that is potentially overtaking what you do as you know a photographer you know being in the media world is is the streaming world you know i don't know if you know much about like cocodona 250 or air viper racing or anything like that but um you know they stream all of their races so you can follow throughout the crowd you can follow the front runners mm -hmm. and you know you can follow the dots but it's even more yeah. than just following the dots like is is that is that overtaking you, you know the photographers the the media side of what you do um no because because i do a lot of video too so so typically if when i'm at a race like i do a race called c to c it's four days in florida so i shoot i shoot all day shoot photos um the goal like the first day is to get you get a picture of everybody there's 300 ish racers um, so I get those, I post them, they go up that day, like a minute video of that day and it goes up that day. Um, day two, same thing. You may not get all the people on day two because they get spread out, but I get enough photos and I get video that gets posted the end of, end of day two, end of day three, end of the race on day four, put it all together, put it up. But I also do a lot of live stuff during the race. Um, so kind of doesn't matter what you have. It's content. I mean, it's funny. I was I literally talking to the race director an hour ago because he's got like next three years of my life planned out for his <laughs> media. <laughs> um, I can be standing out in the middle of a swamp or a forest or someplace and say, hey, hey, everybody, it's me. Nothing happening. But look, look how cool this spot is. 
and and you get a lot of response from it. So it's it's literally the content um, of whatever race you're doing. So the more you can do, but it's also got to be that uh, pretty instantaneous. And nobody looks at a video two weeks later. Yeah. Um, and as much as people like video, I get a lot more engagement with photos. So like, you know, you get all the, you know, the analytics and stuff. You know, I see how many people watch the video, right? I I know people that will sit down and spend an hour going through all the photos. And they certainly won't spend an hour watching the video. Yeah. So, um, so no, it's not really affecting what I do. Um, and it's great for the people. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's that instantaneous stuff. That's what people want to see. I want to see it right now. Well, I think that it's bringing a it's bringing a huge light to our sport because they advertise it, you know, the sport of trail running. And I don't know if gravel racing does it or, you know, other bike races, you know, they do it. I mean, I know the big, you know, mountain bike or the mountain, I'm sorry, the big run. Ah, I can't even speak today. The big uh, road cycling, they've always, you know, aired it yeah. live. But, um, you know, it's just bringing a really big light to our sport. Um, with, you know, with these big events and, you know, I'm watching the, the live stream and they're having the live chat at the same time. And people who don't even know anything about our sport are in there watching it. And then yeah. before you know it, they're signing up and doing a race and it's just bringing our more and more people to our sport, which is super cool. You know? Yeah. Well, what I've, I think part of the problem is there's so much, I mean, you can watch it like for many, many years, we would we would tape the Tour de France, you know, we'd be live every day. We'd tape three hours, four hours of Tour de France, and then spend all winter watching it. You know, you sit down on the couch with a bowl of popcorn and, and watch the stage, right? And now it's like the zero's going on right now, and it's like there's the five minute recap. Well, I'm going to skip the first minute, which is the course. It is. I know what happened today, <laughs> but yeah. it's all sports are like that, right? I don't watch. Who sits down to watch a NASCAR race? Or I, I guess people do. I don't. I don't have time. But I can see that. I can see that twelve-minute update, and I and I've seen everything that happens, and I'm yeah. I'm happy, and I know what's going on, and then so and that's what I have time to do. So. That instantaneous uh, results that we're looking for. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. It is. Well, what kind of gear are you using? So, Nikon photographer you know that's that's the big joke right you know nikon versus canon <laughs> you, you want to be a photographer or you want to use canon um you know and uh so all nikon stuff and you know mac mac on the uh technical side because that's what works good um i, I use so i got to deal with uh, a company called out there packs i carry all my gear in um Literally, if anybody's ever seen me anywhere, that's what I'm wearing because it's on all the time because Chili's leash is on it. So we got that. Um, like DJ, DJI Mavic drone. You know, I'm, I'm always about three or four steps back on technology because <laughs> it works. And it's, it's cheap. Like you can go buy a new GoPro ever or go buy a two generations old which is just as good used one for you know a tenth of the price yeah and you know and a lot of that stuff gets to be you know almost a consumable you know if you use gear you use stuff it it can get broke so you know i don't i don't ever i don't ever have the newest bestest fanciest stuff like that so um so that i'm uh I guess I'm kind of a Hoka guy, um, most mostly because I test for them, so I get free shoes. Nice. <laughs> That's not a bad thing to have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I used to do it for North Face, too, and then they quit sending me stuff, so I'm a little bummed about that. Like, <laughs> I, I probably went 10 years without having to buy shoes. Nice. It is. It's, it's nice. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the basic stuff, uh, you know. Gear-wise, starting to do a lot more, a lot more video with just using your phone. Um, 
and go and GoPros. I don't use I don't use a video camera really anymore. It's either video with a with a you know DSLR Nikon camera or GoPros because man they're really good now. Yeah, I mean even the yeah. phones are pretty decent now. They're really like, good. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know you can take your GoPro and shoot it at eight point seven K, which who the hell wants eight point seven k? But then you <laughs> you can when you're editing, you can go in and you can zoom in. Yeah. You know. So um, yeah. So that's kind of I'm not a gearhead. That's that's for certain. But what I got, what I like to use, and what works. So nice. Well, we like to grow um, our network, and so we always ask um, our guests who's someone that they would suggest from you know from their network that would yeah. have a cool story that would be you know, a fun person to have on the podcast. So, so I gave you a little hint of it. I know this chick named Paulette Kirby. Every, every once in a while I get to sleep with her when she's home, but she's, she's traveling right now. She's working. <laughs> so, so between me and her, we have a year to glance calendar in the kitchen, to keep our schedule straight. So Paulette has been an adventure racer. She ran the first Tahoe 200. She did uh, the Trans-Pyrenees, which is 900 kilometers across the Pyrenees. Wow. Um, won the Trans-South Dakota bike race. Um, and all of this after she broke her neck and back. So, in, a, in an adventure race. So. Yeah. Probably the, probably the toughest person you'll ever meet. That would be a really yeah. cool story. Yeah. I'd have to, we're we're going to have to have, that, have her on. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, yeah. He's pretty tough. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> the problem is we don't ever get to hardly go any place together. Cause with the chili, with the chili dog, I'm sitting here someplace. It's hard to, hard to farm her out. Although we, we got some friends that she can go to. That's so we're going to go. I think we're going to go to, to Norway. She's going to do a swim run. Um, then I'm going to shoot it. So nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's my recommendation. I might be a little biased about it, but <laughs> she's in my network. No shame in that. No shame in that. Yeah, no, I like that. Well, Randy, we'll give you a couple minutes to shout out whoever you want to shout out. This is a chance to plug your podcast again or whoever you want to give kudos to. Floor is yours. All right, so um, it's TA1. Been doing it for nine years. Wow. Started in 20, 2014. So did I did about 315 episodes, something like that. And I got, guess what? I got a little burned out. It took like six months off, but let's go again now. Um, it's, it's adventure racing, but it's, I call it now adventure racing and people that are interesting to me. So, <laughs> um, you know, I've had some, you know, some racers on some Baja racers, some sports car racers, but, um, it still tends to be, um, you know, focused on adventures. Although the last, uh, one of my last guests, Andrea, no, Larson, uh, just, just did a Everesting, what, um, I don't know if she got the record, but that was pretty tough. She did, um, she ran the Barkley this year. So. Wow. and she she's an adventure racer so it was pretty cool so people like that whoever whoever i find interesting um yeah other than that you know thank paulette for letting me go places some of my favorite race directors you know jeff leininger with with uh warrior racing which is really really uh expanding adventure racing so got a lot of cool things coming up with that he's got like the next like i said He's got my schedule for the next two years already for shooting for him. Um, so, so uh, yeah. Um, Adventure Enablers out of uh, Virginia. Guys, Mark Harris got me into Cowboy Tough and really, really pushed my, I don't want to say career, but really got me noticed and helped a lot with that. And, yeah, just, just all those people along the way that have, that have kind of helped that have said, hey, hey, yeah, come uh come come play with us awesome 
Well, Randy, I really appreciate it. Uh, telling the stories. I know nothing about adventure racing and I'm now going to start Googling some races. So uh, Me my too. wife will probably be calling <laughs> you here shortly to thank you for that. So, <laughs> okay. So, so I know we're done, but I got one. You like you're mentioning your wife mentioned this. I was doing a podcast with, I can't remember who it was. And, and uh, he said somebody yeah, he's going to do the, do this race. And his wife was in the background and, and she just stopped and, and looked at him. And I'm like, she didn't know about that. Did she? And he goes, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think that happens more often than we would like. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks Randy. I really appreciate it. Uh, awesome topics. Um, thanks so much for coming on everybody. Go check out uh, TA one, his podcast. I'm assuming it's on all platforms that you can, you can find them. All platforms. Yep. Cool. Go give him a listen. And, uh, thanks again for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks.